Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. My name's Andy Mitten, and this will be the only United We Stand podcast that we do in June. The Summer United We Stand is on sale in all the newsagents. We'll be getting a good uh, feedback from people who've bought it. It'll sit on the newsstands for five or six weeks until we get towards the start of the next season. The podcasts will continue too once the team return for pre-season training. I'll be going to America to watch the games in Los Angeles, Salt Lake City, Houston, Santa Clara, and then on to Oslo, Dublin, and Skopje for the European Super Cup final. I'm not sure my wife knows the full extent of my travels yet. And we'll be bringing podcasts like we did last season, speaking to all manner of interesting people as we go through the pre-season with all of the games that they entail. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by RedArmyBet.com. It's a new betting company where a share of profits go back into fan projects and there are specialised United bets. Have a look at it, RedArmyBet.com. With this podcast, I thought I'd do something a little bit different given the lack of games where we normally speak to people around the matches. I was going to do two things. Um, give some of the excerpts from some of the interviews that we've done for United We Stand this season We've interviewed people in pretty much every issue. Um, the most high-profile one this season was with Jose Mourinho. But we did other big in-depth interviews with people like Michael Carrick and Paul Ince. And give you a couple of minutes from the conversation of me speaking to them because when people have read them in the mag, they've done just that. They've read them. They've not heard them. But Mourinho came about when United were really struggling at the start of December. I think we'd won two league games in eleven. So I thought I'd contact him. He hadn't done any big interviews with anybody and tell him about United We Stand and ask him for an interview and tell him about um, our mag and the people who buy it, the people who read it. And to his credit, he said yes straight away. He invited us into Carrington and I put readers' questions to him. He did laugh at some of the readers' questions. Some of them we wouldn't be able to ask him. But you saw the funny side of some of them. But... Because he's Jose Mourinho and he's the manager of Manchester United, everything that he says uh, gets twisted. So obviously he was a little bit cautious, but I went up to his office and he gave me literally an hour of his time. He was very, very open. In fact, when I asked him the first question here, it wasn't a 30-second reply. Listen to this. Five months in, how's the job going? Has taking over at United been more challenging or different? than you expected? I, I was expecting difficult. Mm. Uh, why? Because the dimension and the history of the club demands a lot. Mm. But I was asking myself why in the past years not so good as uh, previously. One of the, um, the obvious answers is that football is changing a lot and competition is not like 10 or 20 years ago. So it's much more difficult to, to, to win, it's much more difficult to be dominant, it's much more difficult to, to have, I don't know the name, but these periods of, of dominancy. Uh, where a Monopoly. Club, yeah, yeah, where a club dominates yeah. the, 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 the football scene. I knew that the job is difficult. Why? The job is difficult because 
the potential is not there ready to kill and win and win and win but the expectation in relation to the dimension and in relation to the history and in relation to what the club means there is a little bit of a contradiction the uh, I, I can say for example that in this moment in the Premier League there are clubs with 5% of Man United history probably in this moment they are better equipped for the, the faster success and my beginning I knew and I, if you remember my words in, in, in my first press uh, conference was, were not arrogance words because I told I know that I'm being very offensive or very risky with my words of I want to be champion now but I felt and I keep feeling that in Man United it doesn't matter the conditions you have to say that but I knew that was difficult I knew the work that uh, Tottenham was, is doing for years I know the squad that I left at, at Chelsea I knew the work Liverpool is doing in the last um, couple of years too I knew what is done in many other clubs so I knew this I knew the situation but I wanted to have this this approach because I think that's the approach and even in the way we are playing that's the approach that's the approach we are not playing like a team that is uh, um, fighting for one more point uh, we, we we are getting one point after one, after one, but we are not playing for that. Uh, in this moment, the, 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 our results are the results that normally a defensive team has. The team that is cautious, the team that doesn't risk, the team that is defensive, the team that score one goal, concede one, doesn't score, doesn't concede. So I knew that was difficult, but I, 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 I've chosen a way to, a way to, a way to go, and I think that's that's the way and uh, you know I have the job that I, I, I want to have I am in the club that where I want to be I give um, everything I have I have nothing more to give in terms of my time in my um, desire in my ambition I have nothing more to give so I'm I'm happy with I'm happy with myself. If I analyze myself, I had periods in my career where I had success and where I won titles, and but I was not fully happy with me. I was, I can do better. I can give more. I can. I, in this moment, I'm happy with with what I'm doing, and I'm going to chase the the, the ultimate happiness in football, which is win matches and win. And win titles is what he said then. But what an answer to one question. He spoke for six minutes. And later on in the interview, he referred to titles as, as trophies. He classed the Community Shield as a, a title, the League Cup as a title. So by Mourinho's reckoning, Manchester United won three titles last year. Although he did correct himself slightly later on in the season and described the Community Shield as 
half a title. But I think the win in Stockholm meant that the season was a success for United. I think Mourinho can say with some conviction that his first term was a success. We won the trophies. Stockholm was great. Beat some good European sides on the way there. Got back into the Champions League and that is progress. And if United can build on that, all the better for that. And I think there's a lot of optimism now around this summer among Manchester United fans that the team will be better next year, that Paul Pogba will improve, that the signings from last season will settle further, that Eric Bailly will be better next season, Henrik Mkhitaryan as well. And then we've got the signings coming in for this season. Uh, Victor Lindelof already and about another 624 to come if you read the daily reports or if you very wisely give yourself a break from them then maybe just tune in sometime in August to see the three or four players that Manchester United have signed. Uh, I've invited listeners to put some questions to me um, on United We Stand's uh, message board and I'll read some of those out. Well, <laughs> the ones which I can read out uh, further on. Uh, we also interviewed Michael Carrick in his very popular interview towards the end of the season. And here's a couple of minutes of Michael Carrick there's no seven-minute answers like we got from Jose Mourinho, but worth a listen nonetheless. See what you think. Um, describe your ideal fry-up is the first question. Ideal fry-up? Um, quite basic, I think. But definite fried eggs, bacon, sausages, probably Cumberland sausages, the big fat ones. Um, Freddie, what's the um, triangle... Um... <laughs> Bit of fried bread. Yeah. That'll do me, I think. Quite happy with that. A bit of ketchup. Bread and butter. Marvellous. And a cup of tea. Oh, yeah, a cup of tea, yeah. Pot of tea. tea Any coffee back home, do that. When you're in Newcastle. Do you know what I like? Oh, when I go back to Newcastle, I always go Greg's. Yeah. Yeah. Corned beef pasty from Greg's. Yeah. Because I couldn't get them down here for a while. And I don't know why, it's just a thing I do when I go back home. I always go to Greg's. <laughs> Is something building here again? Does it take you back to, to when you started here? And that yeah, I think there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a feeling um, that we are, we're getting somewhere, yeah, I think. Um, bringing the players that we brought in in the summer, you know, big personalities, real quality, um, just sort of just gives you that feeling that, you know, we want to be back right with the big hitters where, where we should be, you know, we want to be the biggest. and. Um, as the season's gone, you can just feel something rumbling. I mean, we're still a bit off it at the minute, but you just get a sense of... In going on the run that we've gone on, really, um, which should have been more wins with the draws, stupid draws we've had. Um, performances have always been pretty good and we've been pleased with them. So I think there's, there's, a, there's a... Yeah, at the minute, we're in a decent position to, to move forward. What impact has... Pogba Maiden's Latin, not just just on the pitch, but off it. I think they're just personalities, aren't they? Big, big personalities, big characters. They're, they're confident. They've uh, got that belief in themselves, and that rubs off on, on, especially the younger players and stuff as well. You know that um, we probably haven't really had that type of character in the squad for for some time, and um, that's not something that anyone else could be because you've just got to be yourself. You know, so it's not like. I could turn into something and, and, and suddenly be this character because it would be wrong or Wayne to suddenly turn into something else that he's not and 
um, you need different personalities and characters within the squad and um, yeah and for someone to come in and be just the way they are then uh, you know almost ticks a box and, and that's something else that you can put into the mix what are they what is Pogba you know he's, put, he's having his hair coloured gold and stuff yeah. like that is it do the young lads <coughs> love him yeah I think so yeah I mean he's for for that side of things, I must say he he works hard. You know, yeah, he yeah. comes and trains hard, works hard. Um, loves his football. You know, it means a lot to him. I think you can see players in the past that have gone down that sort of route of of um, can get caught out by um, everything else surrounding it. You know, but the, the football suffers for it. But I, I can say that he's the football for him is the main thing, and um, which has to be. You know. It, that has to be in, in everything else is is a, is a bit of a side on the side really and um, I think you can see as he's he's grown through the season and um, I'm sure he's only going to get better. Slam. Yeah, it's different to Paul. I mean, he was um, he's been around a lot. He's been um, he's got an awful lot of experience now, and um, I just got I just got most respect for him in the terms of. Um, you know, he's he's probably played what forty games this season. Yeah. Um, at the age he's at, to to come and put himself in, you know, over here to to prove himself at the age he's at, knowing what how tough it is when you get older, and he's pretty much the same age as me, to play that many games, um, almost regardless if he's played well or not, just to be out to play that many games and score that many goals and. You know, I've got a lot of respect for for him being able to do that and and how he looks after himself and all that type of stuff. What's he like as a person? Yeah, I really like him actually. I get, I find him quite funny. He's got some, he's got some cutting comments that you can, <laughs> you can destroy people at times. But um, yeah, I find him funny. I've, I say I think I've got the respect for him because of what he's achieved and and how he's still doing it. But um, I think he's good for the. I think he's good just for the dressing room. You know, he brings something different. As I said. Um, I'm quite quiet and quite calm and quite um, don't say an awful lot of times and um, he's a bit more outspoken at certain times as well but um, it's just different characters isn't it I interviewed him a lot at Barcelona he was a character there yeah uh, obvious question hardest opponent opponent not best hardest <coughs> tough um, do you know who's tough to play against um, Dembele from Tottenham yeah, yeah, very tough to play against because, as a midfielder, you don't really get many midfielders. Anderson was one that would sort of dribble, dribble yeah. with the ball. You yeah. know, midfielders are normally get it past it or run off the ball. But um, he's and he's so strong and so um, yeah, he's just so hard to yeah. to get close to when he's when he's got the ball. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's, he's he's tough one to play against because he's different and because he's just the way he plays. So that was Michael Carrick. He's very highly thought of at Old Trafford and it ties in with some of the questions that have been sent in. Uh, one reader, TB, wants to know who is the next reserve manager. And while I don't believe it will be Michael Carrick, I think that's the type of position he will be considered for at the club. He's been coaching the under-14s. He's very well respected throughout the club. As you heard, he's a nice lad, but he's a grafter as well. He's done very well. He, he likes to play football the right way, so I wouldn't be surprised if Carrick stayed at the club. I don't think he's a future Manchester United manager, but certainly in a, a coaching capacity. Some other questions. Um, possibility of Rooney staying until his contract runs out. Who is he joining next? 
Well, yeah, there is a possibility because he signed a contract and he could happily see that out. Except I don't think he'd be happy because he earned so much money that I think United fans would get on his back if he wasn't playing. Uh, he's one of the top paid players at the club and that would work against him. And I think he wants to play football. I wouldn't be surprised if he thought that he still had a future at United, especially when he's looking at Cristiano Ronaldo still being one of the best players in the world, if not the best this season. But Wayne is not the player that he was. It's quite sad. His decline's been quite sad. But I would still be surprised if he was at Old Trafford and playing at the start of the season. Does he want to sit on the bench just to earn a load of money? I don't think that's an ideal situation for him, for the club and for, for the fans. Uh, which is more important next season for United fans? Um, style of play, trophies, title running, youth getting a chance. I think all of those things are important. I think United have got to play well got to win trophies, got to be competing for the title next season. And if they did all that without giving any young players a chance, I think that would be a, a big black mark. So I think Jose Mourinho knows that and he's just got to factor in the different percentages there. But I think Michael uh, Marcus Rashford played 53 games last season, more than any under-20 player at a major club in Europe. FBLIO said... Have you been told anything off the record that's so earth-shattering, so sensational that it could have seismic repercussions if you spilled it? Uh, would you rather not know now that you're in the position of being burdened with the secret? Um, off the record can often guide you as a journalist. It can help you. So I said to one manager, you were criticised for bringing this person with you. Why did you do that? And he explained to me off the record that there were things in the private life and the family life of one of the persons he'd brought with him that led him to, that influenced his decision. And, and I respected that. It was just a private issue and it helped me understand it more. But as a journalist, your loyalty should always be to your, to your reader to tell them the truth. But sometimes not everybody wants every aspect of their life being in the public arena. I'm sure you don't. And... It's the same for people who, who've got a profile. Who's the most obnoxious interviewee you've ever met from the hand of Fod? Um, I met a French player called Goukouf about six or seven years ago, and I didn't warm to him. I thought he was a bit of a spoiled brat. He's a, you know, the pin-up boy of French football at the time. I don't think he was friendly. Um, I thought he was a bit of an arrogant knobhead on that day. However, I didn't know him. He might have been having a bad day. You don't know the circumstances, but normally when people do interviews, they do try and put one of the better sides across because they want to come across well. Uh, the funniest, as another question, I once started interviewing, well, this miss might be the stupidest, Gary Pallister, and he couldn't concentrate, and that's because behind me, Paul Gascoigne was throwing breadsticks and pulling funny faces at Gary Pallister in Middlesbrough's training ground. And I heard enough about Gascoigne to know that he's a very, very stupid, come funny man. Funny, um, for Gary Neville's first game at Valencia, uh, I've known Gary for a long time, and I went down there, and for no reason than just because, I thought it'd be funny to become the first journalist to ask him his first question after his first game. So I sat on the front row and he came in, I think it was a cup match against Las Palmas, and he'd drawn the match, so it wasn't a particularly bad result. 
and this was his first post-match and I put my hand up and he, he looked at me and started giggling and I started giggling and I could barely ask him the question and it was being televised live and somebody who works with Gary told him off and me off afterwards for being like little children and I think that was a, a fair comment. Uh, cleverest, I spent an afternoon with Socrates in, uh, in Sao Paulo and he was absolutely fascinating, very, very intelligent man. But you do come across a lot of intelligent footballers. And, and Hernan Crespo, I, I went to see him last year, and he's a very, very bright man. Uh, people, he thinks about the game, but there's far more to him than just than football. He can hold his own in, in different areas. I'm not saying I can, but you're sometimes struck by how bright a player can be because not all of them are. Um, one you've most wanted to kiss the feet of but had to keep a lid on it well I'm a Man United fan so you try and be objective when you meet these people and I've not been starstruck in the slightest but when you're interviewing Cantona your respect for him is clearly, clearly deep um, do you think United will have more players before the US tour asks Law Charlton Best yes I do They've got the targets. They'd sign them all tomorrow if they could. But the transfer market um, is unpredictable. It's difficult to get the type of players United want. So it might take time. We saw that last year. And But I think if United have not signed at least one more player by the start of the US tour, then there'd be some consternation. Um, come on, feel the noise, says... From all the interviews you've done with people from United over the years, is there a question you didn't ask that you wish you had? Uh, come back to that one. Um, when are you getting Beckham to do an interview in United We Stand? Well, we'd love to do him in United We Stand. He'd be a great person to have. Uh, a question has been asked, actually. You don't just get these interviews by ringing up somebody and them saying yes. It often need a lot of groundwork before the interview can can take place. Um, Sanderman says, have you ever lost the bug with football and thought, fuck it, can't be asked, only to change your mind and carry on as usual. Uh, I, I love football. I love my job. I travel a lot, but at times towards the end of the season, it can get a bit full on. I've got a, a young family and I'd rather stay married than not stay married. And my family come first and I travel a lot with my work and my wife's great about that. She appreciates that that is my job. But after 80-odd games, you sometimes do a tournament, like I did the, the European Championships last year, and some of the games were dreadful. England against Slovenia, oh my, it was absolutely terrible. England against Costa Rica in Belo Horizonte in the World Cup, terrible. And you just can't wait for the season to end. And I think like in any job, there's you have good and bad days, you have things go for you, you have things that go against you. You have people who you respect. You have people who let you down. And it's the same in, in journalism, in, in football journalism as well. But I think you've got to keep your enthusiasm. And I don't like it when people say everything used to be better because that can make them... I think it's good to be sceptical, but you, you can see some people become very cynical. And that's not always a great way to lead your life. I think you can't just pretend or think that everything was great when you were 17 and that nothing will ever be great again because time changes, cultures change, 
and fashions change as well. And I think you've got to move and embrace and appreciate that people from different ages will have different viewpoints. And I've always tried to do that with, with United We Stand. Uh, Remo says, if you got attacked by a shark, would you rather lose a leg or an arm? Mm, a leg. I need my arms to do my job. Uh, Remo, what do you think the key to Pakistan's victory in the ICC Champions Cup final yesterday? I don't know. I wish I did. Um, do you still beep and wave at Eddie Stobart trucks? No, I've never done that, you knob. Uh, Andy, who's a player you'd wish to have seen in a United shirt? Well, any of the greats, I suppose. I love Guardiola when he was at Barcelona. Xavi, Iniesta, they're all great, great players. Ronaldinho, if I'm answering that in a more realistic way, because he thought he was coming to United. I've spoke to him about it. He told Cleberson, go to Manchester, I'm going there. And I think he would have been brilliant for United at that point, 2003. The team was in decline uh, after the sort of treble. It needed a bit of, I mean, there were still brilliant players there. But by 2005, I think United finished third in the league. And Ronaldinho was at his peak at that point. So he would be, uh, he would be incredible. Um, Favourite United shirt? Um, I've not really bought one since I've been a kid, but the I like the black one from 93-94. It was a great game at Villa Park. Um, why does Remy Mo Moses do no interviews? Asks Olsen11. Uh, I just think he wants to be private. He's in Manchester. He just has no desire to have any type of, uh, do any type of interviews whatsoever. I've tried to interview him a couple of times. And you just get a back a thanks, but no thanks. So I think you have to respect that. Some people like doing them. Some people don't do. Um, let's see what else we've got. I can't even ask some of these questions. <laughs> let's see. Um, which bakery product do you think Juan Mata is most like? I have no idea. Um, I'm trying to answer these while also keeping the podcast. Uh, Tom, MUFC8. Have you heard something you shouldn't have heard while around an agent or a player? Yeah, of course, of course you do. You hear things, you pick things up, but you also can't mislay the trust. Again, your loyalty is to your reader, but some information, you, you often know far more than you write, and that just helps you with your writing and the type of things you, you don't write because people have filled in the blanks. I think football journalism is like a, a jigsaw, and... You never fully have every piece, but you can have a, a lot of them. And by speaking to different people, you can build more pieces into it. But if some of the people who had classes contacts thought that I was spilling the information they gave me straight away, if they didn't want me to, then they would quickly not become contacts. So you've got to balance it all the time. And sometimes things fit into shape a couple of weeks after. Uh, I was told towards the end of last season about a, about a player and I just thought nothing of it and a few weeks later I've seen him linked with United and you think then that's probably the agent pushing that um, I was with another agent recently and I saw the manager of a very big Premier League club text him and ask about one of his players and that, that would have been headline news straight away but I'm not going to write it because I quite like having a relationship 
with with that agent. Um, we do have bits of, of inside stuff in United We Stand, as you know, but we also have a, a big variety of, of of content and interviews is one of the things which, which seem to go down well. We, get, we let the interviewers speak, we give them space, we let them get the story across. And when in April or March I, the name Paul Ince came up, I thought he would make a great interview for United We Stand. Now, if I asked Ince, and I sort of knew Ince, I didn't know him well, but I, I certainly knew him, I had his number, I, I think they would have been a no. But a person told me about Ince, who was a, a player who played with him, or been friends with him, and I asked him to ask Ince, and he did that, and then Paul rang me up, and we met in uh, in a cafe close to Chester, we sat there for two and a half hours and I put readers' questions to him and he was brilliant. He was really, really good. Um, here's a couple of parts just for a few minutes, which which I quite enjoyed. One bit about his time in Italy and about the time he went onto the curva during the Milan derby with some of the ultras. Just before that, I'd like to thank Lord Timepieces for supporting this podcast they're a london-based fashion brand who make affordable watches and they have very reasonable prices there's free shipping the prices start at just over 50 pounds they have a classic design quality construction and styled minimalism they're based in london and their watches have sold over a hundred thousand so far via social media we've advertised them before on this website so you may be familiar with them we can offer you a 10% off discount with free shipping if you go to lordtimepieces.com using the code UNITED some of you have already done that and uh, that's Lord Timepieces and we appreciate the support that we get to keep this podcast going here's Paul Ince describing the Milan Derby Go on, go on and go on. Oh, unbelievable. Never lost one. Yeah. That's yeah. a good thing. Never, never lost one. And I've, um, one of my boxes on derbies in the yeah. cover is the Milan Derby where the whole end looks like it's on fire. Yeah. With the flares. Well, the thing is, we used to kick off was normally about four to eight on, on, the, on the Milan Derby on a Sunday night. Yeah. But we couldn't could really kick off until five two yeah. because I couldn't see you from now. There's so much smoke. You must buzz off that. You know, I mean, there's so much smoke. I think it's just brilliant. It's brilliant to the I couldn't even see him, and you know, it was just um, we had to wait for the smoke to descend before we could actually. And that ultra culture is really strong there, really. They've got yeah. loads of power, probably too much. Yeah, they have. They've got plenty of whether there's trouble, whether there's yeah. trouble. Yeah. You know. I mean, I'll tell you a story. I went to, because um, the interface was lovely. Yeah. All right, so... Um, what did they call you? Because I remember they called Robbie Keane, Baby Irish. I don't know what they call it, but every, that, to us it was funny, though. When I started playing with, with Hodgson, they, they kept singing, like, Come on, Pullins, come on, Pullins. In English? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and I thought they were saying, Come on, Pullins, fucking show us what all you're about. You know what yeah. I mean? So I went out to clear. I don't feel happy when they keep singing, Come on, Pullins, yeah. to say, Live and up. Yeah. Right. And then obviously after about six months, um, I met the president and said, oh, the fans that idolise you, they love you, and they sing your name. I said, oh, oh, so that means they're, they're happy with me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they love you, they love you. To sing in English is an honour. Yeah, come on, it? It. So, obviously the way I play, I got suspended. Yeah. So, the, one, the, one of the leaders of the Ultra said, Paul, come up to watch the uh, Sam Doria game. Yeah. Um, in the Coover, by Coover. So- Oh, this is ace. And the Kuba's right at the top. Yeah. 
<clears throat> so game starts so they snip you around the back yeah but I have to walk up all these fucking stairs yeah. so I'm walking and walking that was really, and, and you're protected by it I'm protected I've got, like, I've got 10 people yeah. around me yeah alright so, so it's, it's, a, it's another sort of so, good fellow so yeah so it's like a mafia thing so I'm with my mate uh, Christina who runs a restaurant in um, Chernobyl yeah um, and we walk up the stairs so we get to the Coover Kids on the channel, everyone's going mad, mad, mad. Yeah. So I've got a cap on. Yeah. But but they all know you're there. They don't because I don't expect to be in the Coover. Right. But all the te- all these ten lads who are te- walking me down, ushering me down, and all of a sudden one of the interfans spots me. Goes, hey, fucking intensity. Bang. Goes one of the Coover boys just punched him straight. You know, split, broke his nose, broke all his mouth. Said, ah, oh, non tocali, non tocali, and see. Not, and I don't touch points, you know what I mean? I was like, wow, I might have come to the wrong fucking place here. Yeah. <laughs> so I was, honestly, what blood all down in the face and all down his t shirt. I thought, wow, these boys do want this gaff, you know what I mean? And I stood there in the middle of all of them. Yeah. Uh, and I just stood there singing like into songs, you know what I mean? Yeah. We won, we won, we won, singing like that. that and it was in the paper the next day, it was absolutely brilliant, you know. So that's a couple of minutes of Paul Ince. We spoke to him for, for two hours and the full interview is spread across two issues of United We Stand, including the current summer one. And most of you will have read it or are reading it. If you don't buy United We Stand or you've not seen it, it's probably now never a cheaper time to buy it if you live outside the UK with the pound being so weak. And we pr- always prefer people to buy the printed edition and I much prefer print myself but I realise that the postage costs can be very expensive outside of the UK. So the, the digital edition is, is, a, is a good option, it's exactly how the printed edition is and you can read it on an iPad or any tablet and it also allows you access to our back catalogue as well so you could read the full interview, the full Mourinho, whatever you want. Got some more readers questions uh, why have you not got a proper job is from Norris Cole from the cabin <laughs> well I think I have got a proper job I work my backside off I write for lots of different people it's not a conventional job I'll give you that but it requires a lot of hard work and it's taken decades of, of building up contacts to do the sort of things that I'm fortunate to do now it's uh, it's very enjoyable, but yeah, it is a proper job, of course it is. Pay my taxes like anybody else. And um, Philip B fifteen, what are United? Where are United on the Old Trafford expansion, Andy? Do you think it's likely, especially as there's a feeling, general facilities are falling behind most modern stadiums? Yeah, agree with that. I've written it several times in United We Stand this year. Club have explored loads of different options. Nothing has been decided. The changes to the disabled section will start the next season. Uh, there's, there's issues there. You've seen the Save the Scoreboard flag at a lot of games. It was hung, when did, where did they see it most recently? In Stockholm, uh, from the away end at Tottenham as well. I saw it there. Uh, but but your main point is right. Uh, Old Trafford is looking a little bit frayed around the edges, and some of the new stadiums are leaving it behind a little bit. It's still a brilliant stadium, but the stadium sells out every single game, seventy six thousand, apart from the 
earliest Europa League rounds. And I'm sure if United continued the the expansion around the, the South Stand, which can be done now, and it has been costed, it is expensive. So it would need a, a medium to long term view rather than a short term one. Then it would it would pay off. The demand's there, it really is. Which other questions have we got sent in? Andy, I've heard from one of the harder members of United support that you are straight in terms of hooligans and the more controversial aspects of following United. Have you ever been in a scrap while following United? Well, I'm not a football hooligan. I know plenty of people who, who were or are. And at times in my life, I've turned left when they've turned right to go to, to matches. And that's basically that. I'm not a football hooligan. There's, I've written about hooliganism a lot. I've been undercover or trusted by hooligan gangs. As part of my job, I did a, a book on derby games, which I mentioned to Paul Ince, and I travelled to games with hooligan firms like The Frontline in, in Wrexham. Uh, I did a big piece on Partizan a few years ago with their game Red Star Belgrade, and it was pretty unsavoury, and you're meeting people who are clearly dodgy people, and at times you're thinking, I've got a family here, I don't really want to be in this situation. But then the best type of journalism can come from those situations. What else have we got? Other questions here. Do you plan on writing any more books? Asks Heaven Knows Too. If so, what do you plan to write about? Yeah, I've got a couple of projects that have been on the go for a couple of years. Can't really say what they are until they come out. Because I'm being paid to write them by, by somebody else. But I do have a couple of projects. And... What else have we got? Other questions. Uh, Billy says, as a homosexual, are you more ashamed of your overall lack of muscle mass or your crude fashion sense? Thanks for that, Billy. Love you too. Uh, I'm not a homosexual. Uh, I don't have a, a strong muscle mass. Uh, and nor do I think I have a crude fashion sense. <laughs> uh, Paul Taylor 06 says, the horse one. Right, well, that'd be the one we ask or used to ask people on this podcast. Would you rather be bummed by a horse and nobody knew, or not bummed by a horse and everyone thought that you had been? We asked that, and most people reply in pretty good humour. Andy Burnham, when we asked him for United where you stand, was a bit taken back this year. He's now the mayor of Manchester. But probably the strongest reaction was from Tom Cleverley, and he just said, I've never heard a question like that in my life before. That's horrible. That's really horrible, that. And he was a young lad when I asked him it. Whereas Rio Ferdinand, he went along with it. He had a laugh. Most of the people do have a laugh. I think we need a, a good question to replace that one because it really catches people out. Um, any more questions? Let's see now. No, that's about it. Uh, we've been sent a copy of the season review a physical copy it comes out on the 26th of june and is available as a dvd rrp 14.99 or on blu-ray 17.99 i think it'll be cheaper than that on some of the various internet websites because that's what they do it runs for over two hours and as the action from uh, 65 matches, 
Glad they've got the cup games in there. Don't think they'll face watching all those home league draws again. But all the cup games are in there. Yeah. All Zlatan's goals are in there as well. And it's the same production company that have done the videos for the last 25 years. Well, I think there was one year when they didn't do it, when the, an American company did it and made a bit of a hash of it, actually. And I think the production values have improved a lot. I can remember seeing a video from Norwich away, I think about 1987. And that's 30 years ago now. Wow. Yeah. And when they did the season review and <laughs> the cameras missed the goal. And it was very, very shoddy. Not that we can say that this podcast is the most professional thing that you'll ever listen. But I'm going to watch that. Remind us that there were some high points in the last season. There were a lot, actually. There were some really good runs. I remember the, the form around Christmas time. United doing really well. Winning a lot of games. Playing really well. Pogba playing really well. Ibrahimovic playing really well. And then there was the big dip. And then the season finished on a high with the, the win in Stockholm. So that's it for this podcast. I know it's a bit different, but I do hope you've uh, enjoyed it. And we'll be back. We'll probably do a few more in the summer. I've got a few interesting people I'm meeting, so I may do something uh, around them. Uh, we'll definitely be doing something from the pre-season tour. Might do a bit of video as well, video diaries that I've done, done for years. And thanks for listening to the podcast. Continue to enjoy the summer. Goodbye.